Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. The scripture for today's message is found in John chapter 13. If you have a Bible close by or it's also listed in the app, if you open that up under bulletin, you'll see uh, the message on there. You can open that up there. This is John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5 and 12 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And then down in verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, You also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you, Pastor Tyler. Appreciate that. Mystery box, huh? All right, game on. Well, that's going to be fun. I'm not worried. No, no. Hey, we're continuing our series uh, entitled Live uh, Like Jesus. And I want to begin with a story this morning about a man who tries to live like a badger. In his everyday life, Charles Foster is a respected veterinarian. He's a practicing lawyer and a teacher at Oxford University in England. (laughs) But as noted in his recent book entitled Being a Beast, Foster also has an unusual practice. Every so often, Foster tries to live like a badger. Yes, like one of those dark-dwelling tunnel-making, rodent, and worm-eating mammals. Usually he does this alone. Sometimes he takes his eight-year-old son along with him. They go to a friend's farm where they make a badger home. 
a 15-foot-long hole that they sleep in. Charles says he's probably spent six weeks of his life living underground over the years, sleeping during the day and, of course, awake at night like real badgers. For Foster, the main part of living like a badger involves getting low to the ground, crawling around on his hands and knees in the dirt. And yes, he also blindfolds his eyes because badger's eyesight is terrible. And like the badger, he eats earthworms since 85% of a badger's diet consists of worms. Now, can you imagine that? Here is an educated, prominent member of society that has a, a lifetime goal and ritual of trying to live like a badger. <laughs> well, now as strange and as repugnant as this may sound to some of us, I want you to think of something even stranger and more repugnant. The God of all creation, who exists in perfect beauty and splendor, becoming a human being and living on our fallen planet. And there was no escape for a full human lifetime. Jesus Christ came to us not just as an interesting nature experiment, nor was He repulsed by us. He came to us because He loves us and He came to rescue us from our sin. Okay? Think about the Incarnation. Think about God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And what God has called each of us whose lives have been touched by Jesus Christ is to live like Jesus. That the Holy Spirit is at work in each of our hearts and lives conforming us more and more and more to the image of His Son. So that for the rest of his life, Charles Foster can try to live like a badger, but he'll never be a badger. But for the rest of our lives, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are called to live like Jesus. And lo and behold, the more we do that, the more we surrender our lives to our Father's will for us, we become more and more and more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, this morning, we want to continue to talk about what it means to live like Jesus. And if we're going to live like Jesus, we need to live a life of humility. A life of humility. Bible scholar N.T. Wright um, 
one of Dave Buchanan's um, authors. That you, I know, Dave, you enjoy reading him. Um, he was asked, when you get to the end of your life, what is the, the one thing that you're going to say or that you want to leave for your family, for people who are closest to you? What, what words do you want to leave them in those final moments of your life here on earth? And this is what he says. He says, the person who walks out of the pages of the Gospels to meet us is just central and irreplaceable. He is always a surprise. We never have Jesus in our pockets. He is always coming at us from different angles. If you want to know who Jesus is, look, or who God is, look at Jesus. And, and, and that really surmises the, the final words. He said, I would tell them, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be human, look at Jesus. If you want to know what love is, look at at Jesus and go on looking until you're not just a spectator but part of the drama that has him as a central character so what does scholar N.T. Wright say he says look at Jesus and if we are going to live like Jesus, if we are going to surrender to the will of God in our life and to the power of the Holy Spirit directing and guiding us, conforming us more and more to the image of Christ, we have to look at Jesus. Now Paul, when he was writing to the Philippians in chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, says the same thing. In your relationships with one another, have this same mindset as Christ Jesus. Some translations say, have this attitude in you. Okay. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man he what he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross look at jesus the call to follow Jesus is a call to live like Jesus. And a call to live like Jesus is a call to humility. A call to humility. Uh, the word humility has its origins in Latin. It comes from the word um, humus, which means earth or soil. And so literally... Humility is good, rich 
earth and soil in which God, right? In which God can grow Christ's character in us. Do you see the link there? If we want to live like Jesus, if we want to be conformed to the image of Christ, then our hearts and our attitudes have to be good and ready soil so that the Lord can grow us and grow Christ's character in us. There are three things that I think could be helpful for each of us. Um, to help us have the proper attitude. Because whatever we do is going to reflect our attitude, right? And so if we're going to live like Jesus, it begins with a heart attitude. As Paul says, have this same attitude, have this same mindset in you that was in Christ. And so there are three very practical things as I've thought about it that each of us could do um, to help till that soil and get it ready for the hand of God to work in growing character, Christ-likeness in our lives. Here's the first thing. The first thing is to live as close to the truth as possible. Live as close to the truth as possible. Well, what do I mean by that? What I'm saying is live a life of obedience. If we're going to live like Jesus, if we're going to be imitators of Christ, Christ came to do the will of the one who sent him, his heavenly father. And so as we follow Jesus... We are called to do the same. And where do we get guidance? Where do we get instruction? How do we discern um, God's will? We want to look into His Word. And so as we look into the Word of God and we ask the question, where is it written? There's a challenge. And here's the challenge for each of our lives. Are we going to cross that great human void between knowing what the right thing to do is and actually doing the right thing. God calls us to walk with Christ. God calls us to live a life in submission to the Holy Spirit which dwells in every follower of Jesus. And as we do that, God is calling us to walk as closely to the truth as possible. The, the, the truth of the one who is the living word. The truth of the one who says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. I have to tell you something. Obedience is a, it's a humbling thing. It's a humbling thing. Uh, there are times when I, I know what God is asking. I, I sense what the Holy Spirit is compelling me to do, but, but I, I, I don't want to cross that divide. I know the right thing, but I don't want to do the right thing because my will is really strong. And, and I don't know about you, but there are times when, when my will butts heads with the will of God. That's why if I'm going to live a, a humble life, if, if I'm going to have the same attitude that was in Christ, I have to be willing to walk as close, not only to the truth of God's Word, but to the one who is the truth, Jesus Christ. 
and to humble myself and to say, not my will, but your will, Lord, be done in my life. So the first thing, I think, is that we are obedient by living as close to the truth as possible. Here's the second thing. Hmm. I've had a crash course in this recently. Enduring with patience. I think patience is the key word here. Enduring with patience the injuries and afflictions that we face. Enduring with patience the injuries and afflictions that we face. Most of you know by now. <laughs> um, there have been a lot of challenges in our household in the last uh, year and a half. Lots. Um, uh, for me, seven surgeries in 20 months. Uh, Lori, a, a, an aneurysm that she continues to recover from. Uh, those are hard things. Um, I woke up uh, in the middle of the night two nights ago just feeling cla- claustrophobic. Kurt, I started, to, I started to take this thing off. I said, i got to have this thing off. It's just driving me crazy. I just wanted to rip this cast off. And Laura goes, what are you doing? I go, i got to get this off. i got to get this off. And she says, Todd, it's just a few more days. Don't, don't do that. You know, she's kind of bringing me to my senses. But it's been hard. And there's been lots of inconvenience and, and, and lots of trials. And, and it, 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 you know, it's not easy living life when you don't feel good most of the time. When one part of your body breaks and then something else goes wrong and it's just thing after thing after thing. I don't have to tell you that. There are many of you here that know that. And it's been really, really hard. And there are times, I mean, I just get, you know, 10 minutes to put on a pair of socks. Five minutes to try to loop my bills around, right? Or to try to get soap under your arm or whatever the the thing is. And it just drives you crazy. I just get so impatient. And then there's, you know, there's the chronic pain. You're just always hurting. And it just wears you down and it wears you out. Dave, doesn't it? I know that you know, brother. Okay? I know that you know. And there are all kinds of indignities that come along with it. Right? I'm just going to be real with you. Okay? Be real. This cast has just gotten away. It's hard to put my clothes on, do my thing. My hand hurts. It's just, right? So the other night, man, we were out somewhere. Oh, we were at night to remember. Came home. Man, I just had to use the restroom. I didn't have time to fiddle with all my clothes. Man, I, I just pulled the rip cord, dropped the drawers, and sat. Okay? I'm being honest. All right? It's going to get more honest. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. I'm just like, oh, relief, right? And I go, why are my feet wet? And I look down and there's a puddle. I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but there's a little, a little space between the toilet seat and the bowl. 
and, and, and my feet, my pants, my... I went from being an expert marksman in the sheriff's department to a member of the gang that can't shoot straight, okay? And I was down on my hands and my knees, right? My, my bum facing north. And Lori walks in and says, what are you doing? And I, 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 you know what? It was not the pastor's finest moment. I just said, I've had enough of this, right? And uh, I remember a Scottish friend of mine who once said, Todd, it's better to bend the knee than to have the Lord bow it for you. And there I was, okay? A place I didn't want to be. But then... (laughs) As I've thought about it a lot since then. I think about Christ. And I think about his humility. And in places where he came to be, but in his humanity, we know he really didn't want to be. And I think of Isaiah 53, where we read about Christ as our suffering servant. It says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment of, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent. He did not open his mouth. But he willingly, willingly endured all of that for you and for me. And here's what I've learned. Enduring with patience the injuries and afflictions that we face. Um, in that moment, the Lord spoke to me and said, Todd, quit complaining. Quit complaining. Quit complaining and acknowledge my presence. I'm here with you in this place. With your drawers dropped around your knees and your socks soaking wet and you there. I'm here. And rather than complaining about it, find me in this place. Quit complaining and practice acknowledging my presence. The third thing that I can have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus is being content in all things. Being content in all things. Even the difficult things. Even in the places 
and even the things I don't want to be content in, where I just fight, I chomp at the bit, I just want control of my life. And there's a couple things that really make you feel like control is slipping away. One is finances. Is that not right, Jim? And the second is health. Well, I'll tell you what. I can't will. I can't will sometimes myself to feel better. But I have a choice of what I do when I don't feel good. And so we're called to to be content in all things. And, and, and in order to do that, I have to have gratitude. Gratitude. The first thing is obedience. The, the second thing is patience. And in a sense, just practicing the presence of God and affliction and difficulties. But the third thing is gratitude, being grateful. Let me tell you what I'm learning. Let me tell you what I'm learning. I'm learning that in all these things, all of them, even in the indignity of a couple nights ago, I'm learning that all of those things call me to a place of looking at Jesus. And that in a way that I wouldn't want, but it's in a way I think that God knows I need. I am entering into and I am sharing in the life of Christ, his sufferings, his brokenness. And in a difficult way, I'm being conformed more to his image. And in the end, as A.W. Tozer said, God doesn't call us to happiness. He calls us to holiness. And sometimes God will allow us to be unhappy if it means making us holy. That's a hard truth. And I'm still learning that. And I know many of us are. So those are three things, I think, that can help us be humble that can make our hearts like further or fertile ground for the Lord. 2 Corinthians 2.8 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that through His poverty you might become rich. That, that, that verse is what's called the great condon... Uh, the Lord condescended in order to enter humanity. And he did it so that we might have right relationship with God be reconciled, that our sins might be forgiven, that we might have new life and eternal life. He did it for us. John 13 15 through 17. It's just a portion of the verse we read earlier. 
Jesus said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I say to you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And here, our Lord and Savior, just hours before going to the cross, gets down on his knees and he washes the filth and the grime from the feet of his disciples. He takes the position of the lowly servant, of the least of these, And in doing so is foreshadowing his work on the cross that cleanses us from the dirt and the filth and the grime of our sin. And he did it by giving his life away for us. And in that example he says, hey, a servant isn't greater than his master. Now that you know these things, right? You will be blessed if you do them. You will be blessed if you do them. (laughs) A life following Jesus is a life of humility. It's a life of voluntarily bending the knee, of going places and doing things that Without his spirit in you, you wouldn't want to do. Three things, very practical things, I think. As we get our attitudes in line with Christ, here's three things that can help us practice humility. You ready? Just three. There are many more, but number one, seek out menial jobs. Do the work of the lowliest. Don't wait to be asked, volunteer. And do it without complaining or do it without looking to see if anybody's noticing. Just do it and do it for the Lord. Right? Number two, welcome accountability in your life. Welcome accountability. Welcome people to speak into your life. Welcome unwanted criticism or correction. When you do that, you're practicing humility. And finally, and perhaps this is the most difficult, I'd invite you to help someone or serve someone that you know is going to be ungrateful. That's the call of Jesus. When I live like Jesus, we have to live a life of humility. Peter says it this way. 1 Peter 5, 6, 5 through 6. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. 
humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time. So worship team comes forward. I want to close with this. Many of you have heard it. The author is unknown. But I think it's appropriate as we prepare to continue in worship. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked God for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. Amen.